Today on the unofficial Shopify podcast, we're talking about a topic near and dear to my heart, outrageous 90s fashion. Yes, on the show, joining us is a, a gentleman who, from his dorm room six years ago, started a Believe in Instagram account and was able to sell out of his own collection of vintage 90s streetwear fashion. And I'm using the term streetwear loosely here. The That turned into a website. That website turned into a seven-figure business. And then that spun off into uh, what sounds like a, a service business in addition to that. So, of course, the whole thing happened on Shopify. That's what we're here. That's what we want to talk about is growing our own Shopify stores. So to learn from that, to hear his journey, joining me today to discuss his love of vintage clothing is Rory Westbrook. Mr. Westbrook, how are you, sir? Hi, Kurt. I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. And where are you calling us from? I'm based in London in the UK. Oh, how, London is so cool. I have been a few times, and there's something about it that always captures my imagination. Yeah, it's a great place. Yeah, I love it too. So, Mr. Rory, what year was it when, you, when the proto version, the earliest version of this business happened? So it was 2013 whilst I was studying at university. I, as you mentioned earlier, was a, a collector of, of vintage clothing. So I used to yeah, wear it myself. I'd buy and sell it on. And whilst I was sort of searching the internet, I saw there wasn't an online store that was really um, doing a good job of, of creating a nice selection of, of vintage. And that's when I yeah, decided to start the business. So I sold my, my own collection first and started the business on Instagram. We had a great response and I, I sold out of my collection in, in a matter of days. And on the back of this, this success, I saw um, that, yeah, there was, there was definitely space in the market to start an online store. So, yeah, within a week, we had the website set up. I had stock coming in from around the world. And yeah, we quickly grew traction on mainly on Instagram was our main channel. And through sort of word of mouth, we, yeah, we gained traction and I pretty much was running the business alongside uh, university studying full time as well. So hmm. yeah, it was an interesting first year to get going and learn a lot on the way. So my first internet business was in college, used eBay as a marketplace and I sold t-shirts I made myself that... Uh, infringed on copyrights that I was not aware of at the time. <laughs> That's how greedy I was. But at no point did I scale it in the same phenomenal fashion you did. I scaled to beer money. You scaled the seven figures. That is quite extraordinary. So I want to unpack the start of it a little bit. This started, I assume, as a, a personal interest or hobby for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I was into vintage fashion myself. So uh, starting this business allowed me to grow my personal collection. At first, it, it started as that. And it's just, yeah, when, when it started gaining traction, I actually saw that there was a business here and potentially something that I was going to be able to continue doing after studying. So, yeah, through through lots of hard work and uh, yeah, long, long days and nights, we, we built a, a yeah, pretty good business in the first year or two. So you've got, at this time, you've got a a closet full of, of clothing. It sounds like you're you're buying a lot of it online. I'm sure you're buying it like local thrift stores. Is that right? Yeah, buying online um, suppliers from around the world, and yeah, local thrift stores was yeah another place where we managed to get stock. So 
I was just spending all day, every day searching through the internet or looking for new suppliers and quickly, yeah, got a good supply network and so this wasn't stock. this went from like high, not just hobby interest, it, it was at like an obsession. Yeah, I'd definitely. So yeah, as an obsession to yeah grow um, grow the business and yeah overtake competitors and just provide sort of the best possible experience to our customers and and get our name out there. So and then, I, yeah, I was always I was always sort of entrepreneurial from a, a young age and knew I wanted to start my own business. So once I found something that seemed to be working, I yeah put a lot of energy into that. So you, it sounded like you had um, like you said you you sold. You had a hundred pieces, and you sold out of those within days to a week. How did it, so? You didn't start at like I. Right, well, I just want to sell a few pieces. Like what? What clicked in your head that you said, "Man, I'm just going to clear out of you know my entire wardrobe." And was this you sold this stuff on Instagram? How did you sell it? Yeah, so I mean, I wasn't expecting it to sell that quickly. So I yeah pictured everything and put it on Instagram and uh, chose chose the name and followers soon yeah started coming in and they would tag their friends in the images and yeah sold sold that directly through instagram messaging people and setting up payments through paypal so that was before we launched the website that was the first week and just how quickly the stock sold out and customers asking for more stock i knew that it was time to you know to buy some more stock and and launch a website to allow people to shop easier so what kind of following on instagram did you have at that time so this, I started this page from scratch, to be honest. So it wasn't even using my personal page. So we, we literally started on on zero, posted uh, lots of stock. And back in the day of uh, yeah, five, five, six years ago on Instagram, you could just follow as many people as you wanted. So I was sort of searching hashtags and searching other um, similar pages and we're just following people on a regular basis and we started doing competitions and from from word of mouth that's how it grew pretty quickly and within sort of the first three months we were up to 10,000 followers and by the end of our first year we were up to 30,000 followers it's rapid phenomenal growth you certainly you had an advantage and you started on Instagram five six years ago when it was easier if you had to do the same thing again today, do you, do you think it would work but just be slower or would there be a different approach you would take? What do you think? I would definitely try the, the same approach. Instagram's still um, our best tool and our, yeah, something that we spend a lot of time on, but it would definitely be a lot harder to, to get that traction. Now there's sort of limits on yeah, following people and and so on, but yeah, we would we would definitely go for the same approach as well as using yeah using blogs as well. Here's something that we've we've recently found can be really useful and influencer marketing as well. But uh, yeah, more or less we would stay down the same approach. So it, it yeah, it's the same thing. It's like you, you search hashtags, follow those people, but they limit the number of people you can follow. So it's like that follow unfollow loop. Um, and there's also a lot more people doing the same thing as you. So the engage like thirty thousand followers for you five years ago is a has a much higher engagement is a lot more real than thirty thousand followers today. Would you agree? Yes, definitely. I mean, with the changes in the algorithm now, it's it's harder to harder to reach your followers. So yeah, 
five five six years ago everything we posted was seen by all of our followers and the changes now make, makes it harder unless a post is doing well on instagram early on then the algorithm won't show it to to the rest of your followers so oh, it definitely made it made it harder to to reach those followers so that's a thing i had i had noticed and suspected in my personal account but really you know was i'm not committed committed to growing it um most of my instagram experience really is limited to like seeing what what uh my wife has done growing her account too i think it's at five or six thousand followers but like and part of the reason i talked mentioned the engagement is like she has five or six thousand followers on instagram the level of engagement and the kind and the audience there is different and less valuable than say two or three thousand people on facebook do you have so clearly your core audience is on Instagram. Do you have experience with any other social networks? I know especially in fashion, people are very, merchants especially are very enamored with social media. And that's why I'm diving into this a little bit. Yes, so we use Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and then we're exploring Pinterest as well at the moment. But from early on, I, I did start with Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, but Instagram was the one that really took off for us. And we still do um, pieces on Facebook and Twitter, but it never gets the same amount of traction. And given our products are so sort of visual and Instagram's the, the, the sort of fast growing social media platform at the moment, we have just put more time and energy into that. But yeah, Facebook's really useful. Uh, we can post pictures, we can message customers and we can do ads on Facebook as well. Twitter, given our business type, is yeah, a lot more difficult. It's more of a sort of conversational platform rather than uh, something showing off new products and um, yeah, being able to display nice images. I feel like Twitter works really w- works better for B two B. I mean, I flat out in ten years of doing this, I don't think I have a single. I can't think of a single client or merchant that's like their success is driven by their Twitter following. No, yeah, yeah, I would agree. I, I, I can't really think of many companies that do that well on Twitter. Other things that I see is it's used for sort of customer service when people can can tweet the, the company any any problems they may have. But other than that, it's not something that's particularly useful for us. Right. Yeah, as a customer support tool, I suppose. Uh, you said you're exploring Pinterest. Have you ever played with the, the app or service Tailwind? No, I haven't. I played the Tailwind, but I'll make note of that and I'll yeah, check that out. Yeah, out, check out Tailwind um, for, as far as social media tools go, their thing is Pinterest, and it's really, it, like, it automates your repinning strategy. Um, and the other thing that okay. that's interesting about Pinterest is, like, the format of the image is a very specific thing that has to, that you need to, like, nail it. It needs to be, like, this this, this portrait dimension, and I'm... Uh, that's another one where my, my wife has excelled is in is with, with Pinterest marketing. Um, but that audience is also, it's similar. Um, I don't know that they're necessarily like as um, engaged. I don't know, maybe for fashion. Um, so on the topic of tools, are there any social media tools that you can't live without that you would really recommend? Social media tools. We... We almost do everything um, ourselves on social media. So, so we've, we're trying to find good tools that will allow us to schedule and post on Instagram. But given the sort of 
the changes in Instagram, being able to tag products and wanting to post the story, we can't find or haven't yet found a tool that really suits our needs. So in terms of social media, we we do everything ourselves and don't actually use any tools for that. But I know there are some good ones out there. Okay. And all right. So after the that initial success, within a week, you launched a Shopify store and you started selling on that store. At that time, how are you driving traffic? Was it just redirecting everybody from um, the from Instagram and sending them to the, the Shopify store to purchase? Exactly. Yeah. So it was just Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. But as I mentioned earlier, Instagram took um, yeah more of a lead in, in terms of how that was performing. So yeah, just following customers. We um, did competitions as well for people to win store credit or win clothes. That helped us gain uh, yeah, gain a lot of new followers. And what we did was sort of daily, daily um, posts on social media to drive people back to the website. And another thing that I did early on within the first week of, of building the website was to make sure that we sort of drip fed our stock so that we had new stock every day. And that's something that we still do to this day. And I think that's why we get customers coming back. And there's a lot of excitement around our brand is that whenever you yeah, come back to the website that next day, there's yeah hundreds of new products added. So that's one of the main things that, that we did. I've noticed on the website, uh, it says at the bottom, um, let's see, we list a minimum of 100 retro clothing items every morning. So 100 new products get listed on this site every day. Yes, so that's we're now up to listing 150 unique products, new products every day. And we're going to look to upscale that soon. But yeah, it's lots of yeah, hands-on, uh, making sure that everything's listed on the back end of Shopify and all the stocks processed and we yeah list it so that's over a thousand new items every week so we've got a lot of stock coming in and out and you've also got i see you you also sell a mystery box the two things that stand out to me here are um or the thing that stands out to me about these two things is novelty right so you've got every day 150 new items wow maybe i'll find like the one amazing piece in that and each of these i assume like you don't have multiple you've one or a few right everything's unique one of one so okay. and it's and only comes in that one size so yeah it's sort of potluck for our customers when they come on if they see something they like and they they hope it's in their size so yeah there, there's a lot of sort of excitement when customers see something and they know it won't hang around for long so most of our items sell within the first 24 to 48 hours hmm. and then looking at the site it's really um, the the product listings, the photographs, everything is really professional and really consistent. What does the workflow look like to list 150 items every single day and do it in this professional, consistent manner? Yeah, so it's something that uh, we've been working hard on to see if we can streamline any of those processes. And it's very manual. Sort of every item that comes in has to be processed in terms of being washed, measured, and then we picture it, then we list it to Shopify and we tag it. So it's a very manual process and we're I think we're pretty much as quick as, as we can be on that now. We've we've had a few years to practice it, but yeah, sort of that's a that's a full time job for a, a few people in our team to just constantly be updating the inventory and adding new stock. And then for 
The other challenge with it is not just listing it, is acquiring it. I mean, it's one thing to say I could go to a manufacturer and say, all right, I need 100 units of this. And then, all right, I'm down to 10. I could reorder. You don't have that luxury. You are constantly repurchasing, repurchasing, repurchasing. How do you – that's very different than, than drop shipping or manufacturing. How do you even go about doing that? Do you have a, a network of people like combing vintage stores? How, what's the high-level overview here? Yeah, so we've got a number of suppliers that work for us worldwide, and they are constantly on the search for stock for us. And we have yeah, calls with suppliers every single day to make sure that we've, we've got stock coming in and something yeah, that we stay on top of to make sure that we don't run out. But yeah, they, they'll work really, really hard around the clock for us to make sure that, that we can get the, the types of, of vintage that we're after. And what's nice about this business is it is uh, it's very much um, environmentally friendly. You are taking stuff and keeping it out of a landfill. You are reselling used clothes, vintage clothing. How, how do you think that's impacted the business? Do you think that's, that's added any value to the brand? Definitely, yeah. Lots of our customers are very conscious of, of that. And I think sort of sustainable fashion is definitely, um, yeah, becoming more of an important thing to to consumers so not only is vintage clothing sort of you're saving saving the planet not not sort of promoting fast fashion and people wearing wearing something once and throwing it away we've got an abundance of clothing that's in yeah really good condition and can be worn and worn again and not only that well vintage clothing something else that that's great is you can wear it and you can it holds its value you can then sell it on for for the same amount rather than brand new clothing as soon as you put it on more or less it, it halves in value so right. yeah there's a few there's a few things that are, are great with vintage fashion as well as the rarity you're not likely to see someone else in the same thing as you that's something our customers like but ultimately something that's becoming more and more important and something we're really glad about is the sustainability factor and over time how has marketing the brand changed? You had mentioned like blogs, influencers. I see you're doing some some brand collaborations. Talk to me about marketing the brand now in 2020. So we're doing a number of things. We're still, as I mentioned earlier, pushing Instagram as our, our main tool and looking to grow that. So we do uh, yeah, ad- adverts on Instagram and Facebook. We also push Google and we're looking to start doing YouTube ads as well. So that's our sort of main marketing, the paid advertisement, but social media as well is, is our main tool. So we've, we work really hard on that to make sure that we've got new content going live every single day. And we post to our customers at least sort of 20 times a day on the story and a few times on our feeds just to show new products that have come in. And if we're promoting anything like sales or new collections, but ultimately because we've got new stock coming in every day, it's, it's easy for us to, to find content around that and uh, keep updating our customers. So that's another great tool that we use to yeah, get our customers back to the website. Email marketing is something that performs really well for us. And as of recently, we, we launched an app last year and the push notifications is allowing us to engage and market our customers to a, a far better level than we've ever experienced. So there are our main tools for marketing. And so you've got a, 
a native app. So like there's a, an iOS app or an Android app I could download that called True Vintage. I could and then I could I could shop the site in and that allows people to get push notifications for these new products. So for um, this like I mean these all of these products are one of one. So as limited as it gets, so the the push notification factor becomes a real value add for people. Um, the one thing I've noticed that could be difficult with when you build an app is getting people to install it initially. How have you gone about promoting your native app to your customers? So the, the native app is actually, if, if we rewind about a year we before we looked to launch this, we had 80% of our traffic coming through a mobile device and we had countless requests from from customers to launch an app so that we could optimize that shopping experience for them so it was yeah great success really quickly in in terms of how many people we got to download the app and in terms of the revenue that came in so it now makes up a, a third of our total revenue and it's something that we push a lot to our customers offering discounts uh, flash sales and early access to products to download the app so that yeah, that's one of the the main things that we do, and it's it's been a, a great uh, tool for us. And we yeah, we're, we're growing sort of thousands of of downloads every month. But ultimately, the way that people um, that we get our customers to download the app would be letting them know that it's a, a much better shopping experience that they can check out quicker, they can find products quicker, it responds far better than the mobile website. So. We mention that on our email marketing. We mention it on social channels as well. And also at the, t- at the top of the website, we've got a, a mobile a mobile banner which, which links to the app so that customers are aware if they come onto the mobile website that there's an app there ready for them to download. So, that, yeah, those are a few of the, the main ones. And the other one I mentioned earlier is just offering something different on your app which you don't do on your mobile website so what we push on the the true vintage app is regular discounts or flash sales which are only available to people with the app so you do exclusives in the app i think is is what drives the value it has to have its own special thing yes yeah that's how we recommend yeah driving downloads that it does something that your mobile website doesn't and is is different in some ways so flash sales is a is a great way to to get your customers over to 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 the app hold up as an e-commerce entrepreneur you shouldn't expect to be the best at everything and you probably don't have time to learn to be the best at everything so when your email isn't performing like you think it should and you don't have time to manage it yourself who are you going to call well when this happens to my clients i call sully at ecom growers They've helped two of our clients double their email revenue in 30 days. Ecom Growers works because it was co-founded by a successful Shopify store owner-operator, Tyler Sully Sullivan. You may remember Sully from previous episodes of this show, his posts in many Shopify Facebook groups, or his own seven-figure store, Bomb Tech Golf. So if you want to see how much more revenue you could be driving with email, go to ecomgrowers.com to apply for your free email blueprint that's ecomgrowers.com talk to them so in addition to you've you've got an app i we could consider that a, an additional channel or an integration or an extension of the website uh we talked a little bit about tools what are some of the other tools apps integrations you can't live without what are the best tools in your toolbox for shopify 
So we've got Clavio. Um, that's been amazing for us. And we, we've got that coming up to two years ago now. We installed Clavio and it's, it's been amazing for us in, in terms of email marketing and driving customers back to the website. And it's a great additional revenue stream. We weren't doing much on email marketing before. So that really helped transform our business. That was, yeah, one of our, one of our favorite integrations. We've also got loyalty line, which, yeah, the loyalty scheme. And that's great at bringing customers back to the site and improving brand loyalty. And the third integration is ShopX. And what I touched on earlier about building our mobile app, that was actually a software that we built for ourselves. So um, sort of on the back of its, of its success of how good it was for True Vintage, I actually launched a new business where we now build mobile apps for other Shopify stores. So that's, yeah, the three main integrations that we can't live without. So talk to me about ShopX. There's other apps, there are other services and apps that will build, um, that will do the same thing. They'll help you build a, a native app for your store. Devil's Advocate, why not use one of those? What, uh, what drove you to, to build your own tool? So there's a, there's a few out there. Um, there's not many out there, but it's yeah definitely something that's needed for, for Shopify stores. And how we differ from anyone on the market in, in terms of our customization levels. So all, all brands and Shopify stores are sort of unique and have different wants and needs. So instead of what's out there on the market at the moment, which is just plug and play and um, you, you sort of use the platform that's there, we look to build the app around your business. So any integrations that you have, we, we can partner with and any additional features that you want, we can customize. So we do have sort of your standard packages where it's plug and play and we can, we can adapt, adapt that for you or we do fully bespoke apps. But ultimately, we, yeah, we can customize to fit around your business. So if, walk me through the price range. If I want something off the shelf, just say, hey, turn my, my store is just a store. There's nothing weird. Turn that into an app versus, all right, I've got, I need this, this very bespoke thing. Yeah, so we've got four packages. Our start one is called Growth, and that's £99 a month or $129. So that's for your smaller stores who are looking to, to launch an app. It's still got the wish list and Apple Pay and push notifications. But as yeah, for more advanced stores, if you're looking to customize your font and you want advanced app analytics, um, then we charge a bit more on a premium package. And then we go right up to the enterprise package. And here we provide a campaign manager for you who will set up all of the automated push notifications to help drive revenue for your app and ultimately bring people back towards your app. We also have multi-currency, uh, unlimited product listings as well in there. But yeah, ultimately we we help you guys drive revenue and we can build any automated um, push campaigns that you want. So we set up a welcome series, a win back series. If someone hasn't been on the app for a while, we can go into as much detail as if a customer is looking at certain collections on your app regularly, we can engage with them as well. So those are the three packages. And then what I mentioned earlier, uh, fully bespoke. So if someone wants an app um, with high level of customization or, They've got multiple Shopify stores. Then we would put them on a bespoke package. Cool. Uh, let's see what we got here. Um, looking at back at 2019, 
What was the most successful thing you did for your store, for your brand? So beginning of 2019, we looked at improving the, the mobile experience. So we, we built a whole new mobile website. Something that I mentioned earlier was just the sheer volume of traffic that's coming from a mobile device. It was at 80% and that's actually increasing day by day. So we did a, a whole rehaul of the, the website. And I mean, that that's one of the biggest challenges over the, the past sort of two years is thinking mobile first, which... As, as sort of buying habits change and more people are shopping mobile device, it's something we had to think about and actually designing everything mobile first rather than desktop. So we did a, a rehaul of the website and now that's looking great and performing much better. And then we also launched the app, which I mentioned earlier. I think especially like where a core, your core audience, your highest converting channel, traffic acquisition channel is Instagram, which is, almost exclusively mobile it makes so much sense for this brand to have this mobile first site i'm looking at a desktop right now it is phenomenal on desktop as well um what do you think are the when we talk about like all right mobile first and we rebuilt it on mobile and it's better on mobile what were the stumbling blocks what is it that makes it perform so much better on mobile what do you think where do you think people are going wrong here in terms of how we've improved our, our mobile website is that what you mean yeah so, I mean, typically what we would do, the problem that we were doing is we were looking at desktop first and then we were having, uh, it, was, it was converting the website onto mobile device. So it wasn't optimized. We had issues with the menu not being responsive and even simple things, text not being um, yeah, sort of readable. So by stripping that back and then really looking at the mobile design first, and that being the most important design, we, we spent much more time on making sure that was optimized. So just simple things, really, making sure making sure that was optimized and, and running quickly and, and no bugs. Okay. And you said you work with influencers, especially in fashion, and somebody who's very Instagram forward. You said you started to work with influencers, you started to work with, with YouTubers. How has your, your influencer experience been? Because it seems to be very hit or miss for people. Yeah, so it's only something we do a bit of, to be honest, and it can be hit or miss, but mainly for us, because we are selling unique items that are one of ones, then if we send something to an influencer and they post that to their following saying, look at this, look at this item I got from True Vintage, the problem is, is that no one can then go on and order that exact same product, which looks great in the influencer's picture. So something that we have to work around is trying to give influencers um, sort of a, a brand or product type that we've got lots of. So at least we've got something similar or we do do a range of new accessories where we've got multiples of and that works much better for us that we can directly sell that exact product. So you so, do... Well, diverging a little bit from that. So you do occasionally you find like uh, a lot of new old stock where you have like you could sell a few dozen of something. Very, very occasionally. But what I was touching on is what, what if we do give out clothing to an influencer to make sure that we've at least got similar products from from that brand, for example. Okay. And that's that's when it works a bit better for us. Oh, man, I've been, this whole time I've been cruising through the True Vintage website. <laughs> and to my surprise, the, the exciting one, there's vintage Carhartt stuff in here. 
Um, yeah, we've got that. Ugh. Have you bought anything yet? <laughs> no, I've not. <laughs> I've not purchased anything yet, but only because since it's all one of one, I the the items I've liked weren't in my size. So it's you're right. It's very much like a. Um, there's the joy of discovery here, where you have to like cruise through and find something that is like both that you like and is in your size. I could see where people like start where they build a head. They start with okay. This is cool. I see the potential. I'll sign up for the newsletter or follow them. And then they start checking it. And then they start checking it more. And now it becomes a habit. And it starts to be like your brand and shopping your site and seeing what you have becomes part of their daily life. And so that, um, that really is a, a tremendous advantage that you have over um, other brands that could just sell stuff. And every product, ha- is, there is implied scarcity there. So it's like if you see it and you like it, you better buy it or it's not going to be there tomorrow. Whereas with other brands, it's like, oh, well, you know, they could restock it or I have time. I could wait. This is very different experience. Exactly. Yeah. Or they can, they can find that product elsewhere on another retailer's uh, website. Whereas with us, yeah, it's unique. So once, once they see it, they'll, they'll probably buy it if they like it. So if you went back in time, what would you have done differently? Just one thing. What would you have, you go back and tell yourself if you had to start over? I think if I were to start over, I would try to scale the business quicker. So, I mean, we've, we've done a, a tremendous job already and um, I'm d- definitely very happy where the business is. But when I started uh, yeah, six years ago, there were very few competitors in the market. So I feel like there was more of an opportunity to to get the business um yeah growing at a far quicker rate now there's lots of competitors in the market there's low barriers to entry with vintage clothing and so yeah i would say just trying to grow it quicker to be honest okay yeah i it's also you know at the same time it's um hindsight's 2020 you know it becomes successful so it's easy to go back and be like throw the money at it just spend it whereas at the time you really don't it's an investment and you know, all yeah. marketing is investment, and all investments carry risk. So, I could, you know, you can't beat yourself up over being a little conservative about growing it. And certainly, you got to in an incredible place. I mean, it, at this time, um, I see in my notes here you you did uh, you've consistently doubled annual rev- revenue year over year for five years. That's an incredibly difficult thing to do, especially in a space where you can't just invent product. You have to go find these one-off pieces. It really it boggles my mind. Um, it's an incredible business you've built. And then on top of it, you did it while in school. Yeah, yeah it was um, yeah, hard work, but yeah, we've yeah, done well to definitely double our, double our revenue year on year, and we're looking to... Obviously, that's going to, that's getting harder and harder now. But now we're getting to a bigger bigger size, but something we're going to continue to to try and do. And yeah, it's been a, a fun journey so far. And you still graduated university, right? I did. Yes, I still graduated. I I got my two one, and I was pretty much running the business full time. And university took more of a back seat, but I'm yeah glad I passed it and then could concentrate on on growing the business. Again, what when you saw the incredible success here, were you ever tempted to just to quit? I mean, like famously, um, you know, a lot of a lot of Silicon Valley people are, are dropouts of Ivy League schools, and 
um, there's been, especially in America, because of student debt, there's been a backlash against higher education. I've got a master's degree, and I don't know that I would. It, it was expensive, and I was I was lucky um, to uh, to afford it. But I don't know that I would recommend the same path for for people today. Were you were you tempted to quit? Did you have like dark moments where you're like, why am I even bothering? I thought about it a few times, but the business wasn't quite big enough at the time that I knew it was going to turn into the size it is today. So it would have been a bit risky for me to drop out. Plus, I, I thought that I could still get by running the business full time and university taking a back seat, and I, I would still pass. And I had my my brother working with me at that point. He joined the business early on, and yeah, without his help, I I probably would have would have struggled to juggle the two. So. I was, yeah, very obviously grateful that he was helping me out. And, well, congratulations on on both uh, on completing school and on on the tremendous success with this business. I have here that you have uh, for ShopX your the your app, the e-commerce app uh, service you're running. You've got I've got a note here saying you have a special offer for our listeners. Yes, we've got a special offer for your podcast listeners. So if anyone's looking at launching their own native app for their Shopify store, or in fact, if they are on a different e-commerce platform, we can still cater for them. But if they book in on our website, so shopex.co, that's S-H-O-P-P-E-X.co, and there's a book, a demo um, on the website. If they quote podcast, we are offering 20% off the annual subscription very good that's uh that's a pretty good discount nothing to sneeze at i will include that in the show notes for folks so they know uh where could people go to learn more about you to learn about shopex to learn about anybody i want to i want to know about true vintage i want to know about shopex i want to know about yeah so, so for true vintage you can find us on our website truevintage.com and on instagram as well at true vintage so check that out and also our app just true vintage again in the app store and you'll find us on there and yeah follow the details for shopx it's shopx.co and everything's on our website and you can give us an email if you want to find out more about launching an app very good all right i will link to all of that in the show notes uh tap or swipe up on the on your your phone to get to that quickly and rory thank you this has been inspiring and enlightening i appreciate it Thank you very much. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.